just a nobody from a nowhere place in a nowhere state, somewhere in the middle of the country. I'm not an expert, nor do I claim to be. But just maybe, I may say something. Might make a little sense to you. May open your eyes to maybe a different reality than the one that you live in. So I'm going to try to maybe change some minds, maybe change the world. Hello. Um, this is Eric Garrettson on Common Sense Solutions to the Problems of Today. Still not sold on the name. Sorry it's been so long since the last episode. Um, I had a lot going on here. So with that being said, we have a lot to go over. Um, I'm going to start off by uh, this new thing trending on on Facebook that um, that these, well, there are these posts that start or end with, I bet you won't share this. And then there's usually some lunacy in there or, uh, you know, something that something that is so ridiculous that, of course, I wouldn't share that. Um, so that being said, if you have a post that says, I bet you won't share this, either at the start or the finish of the post, you're right. I won't because it's usually something really ridiculous. Um, or uh, let's see how many of my friends are brave enough to share this. Uh, these these kind of things are they're oh, they're they're kind of like a conspiracy theory, but not really. They're basically they're they're false problems to create out, outrage. What I mean by that is um, what seems to be trending now, especially on the right side of things, is. Uh, is this notion that the liberals are trying to turn this country into a dictatorship and a socialist regime and all this stuff, which is absurd in a sense that there has never been somebody with more authoritarian and dictatorship qualities than the president that we have right now, who is not a Democrat, who the Democrat Party would never allow to be their candidate. And they and and they would never embrace him the way that the Republican Party has. So, and and that, and, and these things they crack me up. You know, they're like, uh, we need to bring prayer back into school. Who's with me? Prayer in school is kind of a weird thing. Um, you see, the thing is this: you are allowed to pray in school to yourself if you want. You pray to yourself. A prayer is between you and your God. It isn't between you, your class, and your God. It's between you and your God. Um, and, and this is just a paraphrase. I don't have the exact uh, verse and whatever, but I know it's in the book of Matthew. And, and, it's, and this is, I'm paraphrasing, but you know, it says, you're not supposed to pray among the hypocrites and you're to pray to yourself. And a prayer is between, it's never supposed to be grandstanded. Now, if that is true, and and you are a Christian because this is largely the Christian uh, Reich basically that is um, that is pushing this prayer in school thing, and uh, and if you do truly follow the Bible and you are truly a Christian, don't you think that you should not disregard the Book of Matthew? Just just a question. Um, also, I've noticed, and, and with with the Christians, and and you know what, I I have a lot a lot of respect for 
certain Christian groups and churches, um, particular in particular, the one that I go to, uh, I think there's a lot of really great people there. And I think they do a lot of really great things. So this is not an attack against Christianity. It's definitely not. I think that the Bible, I have my own views on it, in which I won't get into those because I don't want to offend anybody, even though it shouldn't, it sometimes does. So I won't, I won't push how I believe or what I believe. However, I do think that there is some good that the Christian faith can do. And, and the values that are taught in the Bible are not, whether the stories are true or not, really doesn't matter to me. It's more the lessons that are taught by these stories are not bad lessons. They are a good way to live your life. And, and for that, I, th- I do agree that the Christian religion is, is a good thing in and by itself. Now, when you add, you know, extreme Christian believers, like, and, and ex- like, I don't know, there's, there's a sense, and I've noticed this, and it's getting, it's getting more and more now, now uh, that, uh, you know, if you're not a Christian, then you're, you know, then you're the devil, or, you know, if you're, you're some, who, some, you know, oh, what for lack of a better word, uh, you know, uh, uh, shit, I can't think of a word for it. Um, heathen, you're, you're like some heathen, and uh, and that's that's disheartening because another thing that the Christian religion really pushes, and it's really preached in the Bible, and Jesus says it a lot. You know, is the, is you don't you're not supposed to judge, right? Well, if you're calling people of other faiths, you know, whatever name you decide to call them, then you're judging them. And that is not your job, according to the Bible and according to Christianity. Your job is not to judge someone else. Your job is to live your life in the eyes of Jesus and by the word of God. Your job is not to make sure everybody else does. That's God's job. That's their own job. That's their own accountability. So, anyways, so I'm getting a little off topic here. But anyway, so so there's this thing, you know, they're like, I think we need prayer back in school. Who's with me? And then followed by thousands of comments of, you know, just, well, the left's taking religion out of school and all this stuff. And, and, and you know what? The separation of church and state is something that they bring up a lot. And, and I have, I have a little, uh, I don't know. I'm a little torn on that. The, the reason being is because the separation of church and state wasn't put in place to keep religion out of places. It was set up to allow every religion and the state couldn't govern that. Like, um, so that being said, the separation of church and state doesn't really apply. However, it kind of does in the sense that um, if you have like organized prayer in a public school, then you're then you're basically saying everybody has to be this because this is how we're going to pray and everybody has to be involved because we're doing it as a class or whatever. And that's not okay with me. Now, if you wanted to have prayer in school and you wanted to allow the option and then you had set like different, I don't know, different rooms set up for different uh, faiths, then I could see where maybe that could be a thing. Like, you know, have a room for, uh, you know, just, you know, I probably have to do it like, you know, instead of homeroom or something, like have a room set up for, uh, you know, Christianity, Judaism, Hinduism, Muslim, um, atheism, agnostic, uh, just whatever, you know, and then, or you could have one, or you could still have homeroom for the ones that don't choose to participate because it should be that. It should be a choice. 
And if it's not a choice, then it is not freedom of religion anymore. And that is in the First Amendment. The First Amendment. It's the first thing mentioned in the First Amendment. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Those are the first words in the First Amendment. Now, so you need to... Uh, you need to follow that. So in order to do that, I think, and have religion in school, because I think I'm asked or, you know, prayer in school or whatever. And I, th I think a majority of, uh, especially people in the Bible belt want that. And I, and I don't have a problem with it. And I don't think a lot of people do have a problem with it. Uh, but it needs to be regulated to the sense that it needs to be a choice. It needs to be a choice for the student. First of all, because it is, it is their freedom of religion. So you don't want to trample on that to push your narrative. And I think a lot of the times that's what we do is we trample on civil liberties to push these narratives that we think are better for the country. Well, maybe that's better for your America, but maybe that isn't better for my America. And um, we have to find that, that balance of what we are going to enforce and what we are going to allow. There are two very different things. If you're going to allow um, prayer in school, that's fine, but you can't enforce the lack of. Like you need to have either. There either needs to be prayer, and that's fine, but it needs to be optional. Or there needs to be none at all. And then and in that case, if and by none at all, I just mean organized prayer. If if you are in a public school and you want to go and you want to pray, you can bow your head and pray to yourself, and that's fine. But I mean, I guarantee that like do it in your study hall or go to the bathroom and do it, or do it anywhere. Go to your car or go to your or go outside underneath a tree or whatever. Like nobody's saying you can't do that. And it's never been an issue. And um, so that's what I was getting to is, is we're, we're creating these issues that aren't really issues to, to generate this outrage that, um, that people are feeding on. You know, it's like Antifa, Antifa, Antifa. Oh, my God. I am so sick and tired of hearing about Antifa. Antifa is not a, it's not a group. It's not. It's not. There's no leader. There's no. All Antifa is is a word. And it's a group of people that oppose fascism. Well, good God, I should hope that everybody in America is Antifa men, because I don't see why anybody would want to uh, not oppose fascism. Um, and then, you know, they're, the, they're talking about the rioters and the looters and all this stuff. And you know what? Yeah, that's what you see a lot on the media. And that's what that's what everybody sees. You know why that is, though? People don't understand this. Is there's protests every day, everywhere, everywhere. But you but a peaceful protest where nothing happens isn't newsworthy. So you're not going to see that on the news. So you only see the very few instances where they do get out of control. And that being said, when they do get out of control, almost every single time, it's because of an advancement of the police, which I'm not okay with. The, if, if you are protesting peaceably, there is no reason why the police should even be there. And if they are there, it should be to make sure things don't get out of control, not to make things out of control. That's the difference. Right now, what we do is we have all of these, all of these different agencies, and they're all geared up like they're getting ready to go into a battle with a bunch of people holding up signs made out of cardboard, you know, wearing flip-flops and T-shirts. And, and then on the other side, you have these people wearing body armor and holding assault rifles. I'm sorry, I didn't realize we lived in China. I didn't realize we lived in Russia. Because that's what it feels like, and that's what it's starting to look like. And then you have a, a president who acts like a dictator, saying that we need to combat the streets, we need to take back the streets, and well, we're going to send every, every government agency at these soccer moms 
and tear gas them and and all for what because they're protesting because they feel that the police are oppressing african-americans they are oppressing african-americans so it's a natural reaction to uh you know if if if, if people are getting oppressed then the natural reaction is a protest against oppression that's also in the first amendment the right to peaceably protest and to petition a government to redress the grievances it's the very end of the uh, first amendment so it's um it's disheartening to see our president doing this it's not surprising but it is disheartening um it's it's disheartening in the sense that there's nobody stopping him because like, he has advisors he has he has a you know a whole cabinet of people around him and nobody's stopping him and i don't understand it's, it's out of fear that he'll fire them because he's fired more people than any other president and he's only been president for three years three and a half years that's including the ones that have been there eight years he's i mean he just fires everybody like yeah when he first got elected he said we're gonna pick the best people well, obviously that's not true. If he keeps firing people, well, or maybe it is true and he doesn't like the best people. Either way, you can't have it both ways. You can't keep talking out of both sides of your mouth. And it's, it's very disheartening. It's very, um, it's very hard to look at where we have, we have come or what we've become because of, because of uh, hate speech, uh, we've, we've got a president who constantly discredits the media. And then we've got, in turn, media outlets that are very, very, very partisan. And I don't believe that that is a, a good way to present the news in a partisan way. I don't think that they're, I think, but I mean, you, you, you can't not allow it because it is freedom of speech, freedom of the press. And I get that. And, but what, what needs to happen is media outlets need to take it upon themselves to do the right thing. Because I know Fox News, and I, and I talk about Fox News a lot and how, how one-sided they are, but there is a giant on the other side too. And, and, they, and they are just as ridiculous. I mean, MSNBC is just as ridiculous as Fox News. Uh, and I'm a liberal, and, I, and, and, and you know what? And they're very one-sided towards the liberal agenda. And when liberals screw up, they do the same thing Fox News does for Donald Trump. You know, when Obama would screw up, MSNBC would still, you know, they would, they would still, they would try to tw- spin it and twist it to where he didn't or whatever. And, but you know what? We, we knew that he did, you know, I mean, and, and nobody, and no president's perfect, but, um, and then Fox News, of course, they do the same thing when Trump screws up. And I get that. And I'm not denying that. And I won't, and I won't even argue with somebody on that because, because it's obvious, it's apparent, and it's a problem, really. I think, I think both, both, uh, you know, programs or whatever, uh, they're both being irresponsible when presenting, when reporting the news, the news is the news is the news. It, it doesn't need to be partisan. What happened is what happened. And then it's up to the people to decide how they want to feel about it. it and it is not, it, it doesn't need to be presented in a manner to where, to, to where it's taken a certain way. It just needs to be presented in its, in its entirety and fully accurately, and then let the people, the American people, decide whether or not they think that that was a good thing or a bad thing. News reporters should just report what happened, not how everybody's supposed to feel about what happened. That's not up to them. Their job is to report what happened, the instance. Then how, how everybody feels about it should be on everybody else. And, and, and there's really not very many good news sources that do this. Honestly, the best ones are your local local news sources 
because that's generally how they how they approach things is they do approach where they just say what was what happened but you know what they don't get a lot of they don't get a lot of uh into a lot of the politics of things because they just don't have the time you know they've got a lot of stuff to talk about they've got local sports they've got local news that they need to talk about and that leaves very little time to talk about politics so you have very little uh reporting as far as the political side of things on local news which is it's upsetting because local news and the, your local stations, your local broadcasts generally are going to, give, going to give you a more accurate portrayal of what really happened because they ain't got a lot of time to get into the opinions side of things. So um, there are some news sources, and I, I, and, I, and I won't promote any of them because I don't believe that any of them are that great, um, that, uh, that try to stay unbiased. But, um, but they, but, and I understand there's always going to be a little bit of bias by, by just simply by who's saying it, you know, if you're a, you know, a conservative, you're going to say it in a tone of voice, even I mean, maybe without even realizing they're doing it, that, uh, you know, in a tone of voice or just kind of a way to say to where someone listening or watching could definitely tell how they feel about it and vice versa. I mean, that's not, that's not, I mean, in liberal side of things too. Um, so so there's really no accurate way. I guess the best way to do it would be into print. If you had a, you just have to have maybe if whoever wrote it, uh, if they were conservative, maybe have a liberal uh, edit it, you know, and then and vice versa. If a liberal wrote it, then have a conservative edit it, and then that way you take the bias. That way you can tr- kind of eliminate the biases, and then you're just left with what happened you know like if a conservative wrote it you know and honestly tried to write it to where it wasn't biased and then a li- have a liberal read it like uh this kind of sounds biased or whatever and then you know and be an increase and, and then so that way because if if they're both of their goals is to just present the news in its most purest unbiased form then they both would would accept each other's feedback and um and prevent it, it would prevent bias from ever getting through um it would be impossible to do in, in like a news, like a program or like, and even in on a radio where it's audio, because I think you can hear tone of voice and you can see mannerisms. And I just think it's, it, it would be impossible to, to present it no matter, no matter how hard you tried, it would be impossible to, to prevent it or to, to present it in a way to where it didn't look at least maybe leaning towards one side. But like I said, if you did it in print and had uh, you know, both sides of the spectrum, you know, helping each other to present the news in a pure form and then allow the American people to decide how they feel on it. I think you would get a more informed America um, and um, an America that's, that's um, less conspiracy driven because right now these conspiracy theories are out of control. They're absolutely out of control. There are so many of them that I can't even keep up with them. Even if I tried to keep up with them, I couldn't keep up with them. And it's really, really disheartening. Um, Conspiracy theories are, are generally, they're generally created by something that's hard to explain. And then there's always like small pieces of fact that they can kind of use to tie it to proof that this conspiracy theory is true, but there's never like an overwhelming amount of evidence to uh, prove it. So it's, it's that it remains a conspiracy theory because it can never really totally be proven. But the problem with it and what keeps them around is they're really hard. They're really difficult to um, disprove. 
or they're impossible to disprove because there's just so many questions and it's just like no real investigation has ever really been done because people that do investigations realize that it would be a waste of fucking time so they don't ever investigate it and these conspiracy theories just go they're just a whirlwind all over all over social media and social media perpetuates it social media is like i remember as as a younger person i was uh i remember the the wwf wrestler uh jesse ventura or whatever who i think he became a governor of like minnesota at some time too well he had a show uh for a short amount of time that was about conspiracy theories and the first couple were okay but then you know like and then there then there was like this big uh thing where the government had these magnets up in the north pole or something that they were controlling the weather and causing hurricanes and all this stuff and then it was and then it, it became so ridiculous you know because he ran out of things that there, there just wasn't that many so the show couldn't survive now if if jesse ventura wanted to do that show today he would never run out of material he would have he'd be able to have a he'd be able to have an episode every single day for the rest of his life there's so many of them out there and then it is it's crazy that we're like that show had one season and uh and then he was just out of stuff you know he was out of conspiracy theories there just wasn't that many and now it's like it's hard to imagine that he he had like was like seven or eight episodes and uh and then he was out like it's a, i could think of like seven or eight just off the top of my head and then you could I, I could think of enough to do an episode every day for an entire year like i mean really there's that many of them out there you know anywhere from oprah being uh the leader of some sex trafficking ring or hillary clinton having a a child molesting you know palace underneath a pizza place and or <laughs> Or Bill Gates wanting to microchip everybody and he's using the coronavirus vaccine to do so. Or some lady saying that the coronavirus is being spread by having sex with demons. I mean, you just, and it's like, and, and there is a way to get rid of the conspiracy theory thing, the, the trend anyways. I mean, there's always going to be conspiracy theories. And there's always going to be a small percentage of the population that believes them. But the mass, uh, popularity of them right now is because people that normally are intelligent people are believing in these conspiracy theories and what's happening is is it's it's spreading and it's so easy to spread now see when i was a kid and when that back to that one ventura had that you know there was no social media there was no way like you know you could advertise it on tv and then you could advertise it on the radio but but you know a, a majority of the public didn't spend all their time cooped up in their house you know they went out and did things so if you weren't you know watching tv or listening to the radio at that certain time when that advertisement went on you didn't even know about this conspiracy theory you had to watch the show to know about it now you get alerts on your phone you get emails you get social you log on to social media and there's thousands of different posts and different things and you get on facebook you get on twitter you get on any of that stuff and it is it is constantly in your in your in your line of sight and you constantly see it and it's brainwashing us into believing in some of this shit and it's really it's it like i said there's a lot of people that i that are otherwise smart people that believe in this like believe this this q anon shit is so ridiculous it's i don't know but no, and chemtrails. Oh my God, chemtrails. I'm so glad that that's kind of finally starting to be over with. I haven't really seen much on chemtrails lately, mainly because Donald Trump's fucked up the country so much that chemtrails are the least of our worries if they were real, which they're not. Um, uh, all right. Anyway, so yeah, and then the conspiracy theories are generally what um, they spark these 
these false problems to create outrage and fear. And uh, then they use that said outrage and fear to divide us even further. The right from the left. The right. So, I mean, up until this president, you could be friends with a Republican if you were a Democrat and vice versa. There was no bad blood. You know, you just didn't talk about politics, but you weren't calling each other names and you weren't. And now, oh my God, you do. It, it is so out of control. Like, and you know, and I, and, and I can talk to anybody and you know, if I realize that they're too far to the right, cause I'm pretty far to the left and, and I, and I openly admit it. And then maybe, maybe an excessive amount. I, it's just what I believe. I believe that there is a need for, there is climate change and there is a, an immediate need to address it. I believe that in all of my heart. I'm, I believe in a woman's right to decide what she does with her body. Now, that does not mean that I like abortion. It doesn't. Would I ever personally push somebody to have one? Absolutely not. I don't, I don't like them. I don't think that they're a good thing. But I don't think it's the government's decision to make. I just don't. I don't think it's their decision. I think it is the woman's decision. I do think that maybe the father should have a little say in what happens, but ultimately it's the woman's body that's affected. It's the woman's life that's affected. And it's the woman who has the potential, you know, I mean, to die during a pregnancy or during childbirth. I mean, it's, it's a woman who has to endure all of that. So it ultimately needs to be her decision on what happens and not the government's for sure. So, although I am pro-choice, I'm not pro-abortion. I never will be. But that's neither here nor there. Okay, gun control. Gun gun control. I this one I'm a little closer to the center on. Uh, I as a gun owner, I uh, I do believe that everyone should have the right. Not everyone, but. There needs to be a way to, uh, to make sure that the people that have firearms are responsible firearm owners. What I mean by that is, is if you have a history of assaulting people, you have a history of violence, you have, then, then you need to, and I, I don't care if it's a felony or a misdemeanor, if you have a history of violence, you don't need a gun. Because what's going to stop you from maybe drinking too much or taking too many drugs and, you know, and then that violent trigger hits and then you go do something and you do something you can't take back. A fight, as bad as it is, you know, usually both people walk away, you know, you know, there's some bad blood or whatever. Maybe somebody has to get some stitches or has to, you know, get a concussion or whatever. But you know what? Like, that's something that's not. You can take that back. You can apologize and maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't, but you can, you can avoid that person. And that person gets to go on with their life and you go on with your life. But when you shoot somebody and kill them, that goes away. So it's basically by not having, you know, proper gun control. It's bad for both sides because that person that has those violent tendencies and does that is often as often is probably going to do it, you know, in the heat of the moment. So that means they're ultimately definitely going to get caught. So they're going to prison forever. And then the other person is dead forever. If you 
if you uh, eliminate that person's ability to get that firearm, maybe neither one of them, maybe the guy that uh, you know, has the anger issues never has to go to prison. And maybe the guy that he would have shot gets to go on and, and, and be something great, you know. And maybe the guy, the guy that was, had that trigger, maybe he turns his life around and he goes on to be something great. But you eliminate both of those possibilities when you allow that guy to buy a firearm and shoot the other guy. So, or girl, or whatever. You know, the girl, girl guy, I just say guy, I don't know why, but it has nothing to do. I mean, it, it's, it's more of a problem in the male uh, population than it is in the female population. So I think that's probably why I say guy. Um, but either way, that, uh, so, so that means, you know, so I'm kind of a little more on the center of that, though, in the fact that I do believe that guns should not be banned. I believe in the Second Amendment to an extent. I believe, uh, now where, where I do differ from the NRA and the real right wing people is I don't think that people should have, uh, assault rifles in their homes. No, I think, but I do have a solution. I do have a solution for that. I'm not just, and my solution is not to take away everybody's assault rifles. You know what? You have a right to have it. Sure. You bought it legally. Sure. Great. But why not store it at a gun range where you have a lockbox? You know, you, you have, only you have access to it. It stays there. You want to shoot it. You obviously can't just go shooting it around town. Anyways, you have to take it somewhere to shoot it. So why not just store it in a gun range? Make these, make these you know, not cost anything. You know, it could be government funded. And, uh. You, you put it in, you get, you know, you get assigned a box like you do at the post office or anywhere else. You got a key, you unlock it, pull it out of there, you shoot it, it's yours. You know, and you can do it whenever you want. And then when, before you leave, you put it back in that box, you lock it up, and you leave. It's secure, it's locked up, kids can't get to it, a burglar can't get to it, a, you know, anywhere, anyone, there's no access to these guns. And therefore, they're not out causing mass shootings. You're still going to own your gun. It's still there for you to shoot whenever you want. But it's not going to get into the wrong hands this way. Because nobody can make the argument that they want an AR-15 for protection. If you want a gun for personal protection, you get a, a, you know, a pistol, a concealed carry gun that doesn't have a magazine that shoots... 30 fucking bullets, you know. So that is a solution for that. And and I think I think you you kind of please everybody. Everybody has to make a little bit of a compromise. But not just one side's making a compromise. Both sides are making a compromise. The guys on the right are compromising that yeah, they don't get to keep them in their homes. And the guys on the left are compromising as yeah, they still get to have them. But, but that's how things get solved. You've got to find a middle ground. You've got to find a, a way to make everybody at least somewhat happy. But you know who's going to be the most happy? Is that school that doesn't get shot up because that got in the wrong hands. Or that, or that concert that goes, goes on without issue. Or, or the post office workers that don't have to deal with a disgruntled employee coming in with an AR-15 and killing them all or, or whatever. 
those are the people that are that win. Everybody wins. So why and and I have brought this up to try to bring it up to my congressman, and I've tried to bring it up, wrote letters to uh, governors, to um, to people that are supposed to be able to make things happen, and I keep getting you know the fuck off letter back. We've uh, considered your your idea, and we're you know discussing it amongst ourselves, and we'll uh, we'll come to an ultimate decision at a later date, which means they're not going to take. They're not taking it seriously and they're not going to, it, get, it got filed in the round file, you know, went in the trash. So I don't know how to, um, I don't know how to, um, to voice it, to try to push it other than, other than to say it on here. But I know not, I mean, not the right people aren't hearing it on here either, you know? So it's, it's, it's really hard. I've tried writing letters to the editor, but I live in a, rural community who is a very conservative community so of course it never makes it never gets published in my letters to the editor because of that you know they they don't want to hear you know that their guns don't get to be underneath their, pe- their bed or whatever so they're not having it so i don't know really know how it's like one of those things where you you come up with a with what you believe to be a great solution to a very big issue in this country, but you don't know, you don't have the right platform. You don't have the right platform to, uh, to voice it. And, um, that's really frustrating, but it is what it is. Why isn't anybody talking about Breonna Taylor? That's a question that I would love to have the answer to. Why isn't anybody publicly speaking about Breonna Taylor? They don't really bring it up on the news. They don't ever really bring up the the complete and lacquer lack of justice that is the Breonna Taylor case it's not even a case there's not there's not even a there's not even a an arrest made Breonna Taylor was sleeping in her bed and got gunned down during the issue of a no-knock warrant to which wasn't for her the warrant wasn't for her why in the hell are we not talking about this why in the hell hasn't there been an arrest made the person they were looking for was already in custody Somebody made a mistake somewhere that cost two people their fucking lives, and we are not talking about it. Why are we not talking about that? One of my really good friends the other day, just, uh, he, he responded to something I said that was completely, it was on Facebook, but it was, it was something I said, and it was completely off subject, and I was like, and it was real weird, you know, I can't, I can't remember what it was, but it was, you know, it was something about music or something, and then he just wrote Brianna Taylor and then as, as a comment, and I was like, so I was like, I was like, wait a second, why do you say that? So I wrote, so I just responded with a question mark, and he said, he said, I just thought maybe everybody forgot about Brianna Taylor, and maybe we just need to. I just wanted to bring her name up again because because it's nothing has been done to resolve it. And I was like, that's a really good idea. So anytime I see, you know, like 
something that's completely unrelated to police or, or uh, political or anything like that. I've been responding with just her name. Because the people that are arguing nonstop about police and all that stuff, they already know about Brianna Taylor because they've already, that's what they're arguing about. So it makes no sense to bring it up to them, but maybe to bring it up in just other casual conversations to call, you know, a, as a call to action, Brianna Taylor. And then, and, and just, and then maybe you get, then maybe you get some people with, they're a little more sensible, you know, people that don't want to argue and people that aren't triggered to, you know, to, uh, to have a good conversation as to why this woman and her family have not gotten the justice that they deserve. That it's, it's, it's so, it's so sickening what happened to her. And then, and then what's more sickening is the very, the lack of, of accountability. Like this was a, this wasn't like, you know, they, what they usually like to do is they like to attack the credibility of the victim, which is ridiculous in itself. But you know, with her, she was an EMT or, or something, and she, was, she didn't have a criminal record. She wasn't a bad person. She was a good person. She was in the wrong place at the wrong time. She wasn't even in the wrong place. The cops went to the wrong place. And they went in, guns blazing, and they murdered her. And nobody's been arrested for that. Nobody's even... I mean, is there even anybody on administrative leave? That's a question. I don't know. I haven't looked into it that much. And that's another thing. It's like, why haven't I looked into it that much? Why are we not talking about her? We talk about George Floyd, and yes, he had his criminal history. And he had, but you know what? He was killed for none of that. He, he was killed by a cop in broad daylight in front of cameras from everybody because that cop didn't think anything was going to happen to him because he's probably done it a hundred times before and nothing's ever happened to him that's learned behavior that isn't something he just decided to do one day that's something he's been doing for a really long time that's why i try to get through these people's heads like oh there's a oh, there's a few bad apples or whatever no that's not true that is not true there are a lot of them a lot of them are getting away with it because they always have that's why you keep seeing it over and over again, because it is so engraved in their culture that, that they don't see a problem with it. They wholeheartedly believe that they're not doing anything wrong. The only way to wholeheartedly believe that you're not doing anything wrong when you do something like that is to have that engraved into your culture to where it is okay within that culture and that community of police officers. That is not just one person that's acting like that. That is because that has become the accepted, you know, the accepted way to do things. And it is absolutely absurd that a organization, which is the policing community, that is that was put in place to protect the people is out there killing a thousand people a year, a thousand a year, a thousand a year. That's ridiculous. There are countries that go years without getting one. We get more than that. I mean, a thousand a year, you're looking at, that's three a day. Three people a day getting killed by the cops. Meanwhile, other countries go like years without one. I don't know. It's, there's no way our 
crime problem is worse than these other places. There's just no way. And if it is, then that too reflects on how poorly the police are doing their fucking job. Are they underpaid? Sure. Sure they are. Some of them. But the ones that are out doing that shit, I believe, are being overpaid. They should not be being paid at all if they're out there doing that stuff. The good cops, and there are good cops, I know good cops, that, that are there to do a good job, and, they, and, and they're there to make a positive difference. They, those cops do exist. So this is not a down on all cops. But they are not as common as, as everyone would like to think. I would say they are in the minority of cops. And it's, that's a problem. That's why, and I've touched on this before, that my solution to that would be to fire every cop. Come up with our new vetting process. Come up with a new way, a new psychological test that they need to take and make sure that you are psychologically fit for the job because the ones that are doing this shit aren't. And it is obvious. And there is a way to vet them out. There is a way. And, and I think, and then you just let everybody apply for their jobs back. The good cops make it because it will, it will be designed on morals and the vetting process will, I mean, for somebody who's honestly trying to do good and, and make it a positive difference, they, they will easily be able to make it through the vetting process. Give them their, you know, you give them their seniority back. You give them their pensions back. And like, like they never were gone, you know, and, uh, they, and, and give them a raise. And then you weed out the bad cops and the cops that turn a blind eye to other bad cops. And, and then you, you're just left with the good cops and then you hire new ones under these same vetting under these same, you know, you vet them just like you did these other, and then you create a culture based on these good cops being those these new cops mentors and you create a culture of of positive policing of policing that you can be proud of of policing that little kids don't have to be scared of cops because they're black you don't have and and you create a positive image for police because everybody is only going to know a good cop because that's all there is and as the stories go of these positive experiences that have been, been created with these police officers, then all of a sudden you have a, you have a nation that is truly behind their police because their police are truly doing a good job and they're doing what they're supposed to do. And they're being compensated better for it because they're not having to pay off people and, you know, like an pay settlements and all that stuff because of bad cops instead of having to pay all those settlements they could pay their officers a, a better livable wage to make it worth it to be a cop and make it worth it to be a good cop and make that job one that they never would want to risk losing because right now a cop could risk losing their job and it's a big deal they can go to a factory and make more that's ridiculous that should not be the case I agree that they are underpaid for sure so are teachers. Teachers more so because they've got to have a bachelor's degree to make mental. And really, honestly, if a teacher wants to make any money, they've got to at least have a master's degree. So they come out of, you know, they come out of uh, out of uh, college with you know hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt, 
and get a job making $40,000 a year, they'll never be able to buy a house. $100,000 in student loan debt is $1,000 a month if they want to pay it off in 30 years after interest and everything, you know. $1,000 a month. If you're only making $40,000 a year and 12000 of it has to go to pay your student loan debt, you got to figure, if you're making $40,000, you are only bringing home twenty eight, roughly. After, you know, Social Security and, and federal income tax, state income tax, all that other stuff, you're bringing home about twenty eight. So there was a day, there was a year I made 40000 almost exactly, and I think that was what my bring home was, twenty eight. So, take 12000 of that out, <clears throat> what are you down to? 16000 <laughs> That doesn't leave much for a house payment, utilities, car payment, food. You make too much to get any government assistance. You make too little to live a normal life where you can actually purchase a home and drive a newer car. Yet you went to college and got your master's degree. <laughs> I mean, let that sink in for a minute. That's, that, that is the reality of, of this country right now. That's the reality of things. I don't know why tuition costs so much. I don't know why that a state school State-funded school charges so much for fucking admission. It just, it just, it's mind-blowing. It is absolutely mind-blowing that not only are they taking our tax dollars to help fund these schools, not only are they doing that, but then they're charging us $30,000 a semester to go there after we already paid it, after we already paid to keep that place open. <laughs> <clears throat> that to me is just absurd. And why? Why is that? Why is that? Like, I live in Iowa, like the University of Iowa. I go to an Iowa football game, and that that stadium holds seventy thousand plus. I mean, over seventy thousand people, and it is full every home game. It is full every home game, and the tickets are high. So you you look at that. That stadium filled with 70,000 people that all paid roughly $100. I mean, probably on average $100 a ticket because the ones down closer are more and then the ones up higher are probably less. But I would say an average about $100 a ticket at 70,000. I mean, how many dollars is that? It's like $7 million. So... And there's what, like at least five or six home games. And then they go to a bowl game and they get another million dollars or whatever, depending on how good of a bowl game they get. Plus they have donors, alumni donors. They have all the, I mean, I get that it costs a lot to run a university. Somebody is getting rich off of it. And I don't, and, and it's not just Iowa. It's every college. I just use them as an example because it's the one in the state that I live. But I guess I am out of time. I hope you had as good a time as I did. Until next time. <laughs>